Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you're listening to episode 17, and we're on the second holiday-themed episode of the year. This is three days before Christmas, and it is a winter wonderland outside. We're about to brace for another winter storm in this area, and it's about to throw you know, more snow, rain, ice. Everything that winter can throw at us is about to come, and uh, we're bracing for a potentially turbulent holiday season. Uh, so we have a long weekend ahead of us, so let's get a good episode in. So we're talking about Krampus 2015. It's a holiday horror comedy. If you had a big Venn diagram of those three genres, this movie is pop right in the middle. And it is a, it's a pretty good movie. It's uh, It has a great cast, good direction. Uh, they went uh, more animatronic, more practical over VFX. So it's uh, a movie playing for my heart, that's for sure. And they have really good execution in this movie, and uh, I, I quite thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's jump into Krampus 2015. Now, for anyone who isn't aware of what Krampus, the idea of this Krampus figure is, let's do a bit of a history check here. So there's, as far back as Santa goes, there is the idea of this, the shadow of Santa, the dark Santa, Santa's evil brother, and that's Krampus. The idea, the accepted idea is that it's Krampus. Uh, it's a folklore idea. It goes back, uh, dates back to the 1800s. There's not a conclusive uh, evidence that goes one way or another. Some people say it dates back pre-Christian. Some people say it's part of, um, you know, pagan initiation rituals. There's uh, still to this day festivals that are held in Austria and southern Germany. They have this Krampus run. Uh, where people dress up as Krampus and uh, they go around trying to scare children, uh, which sounds kind of funny as a holiday tradition, uh, but no more different than Halloween, maybe just at a different time in the year, maybe you know a few months later. So uh, that's sort of interesting. And, uh, it, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with the whole, you know, if you're bad, you get coal. And in this this idea it is that it's not Santa that gives you the coal if you're bad. It's Krampus. Krampus comes down your chimney or in this case, in this movie, busts down your chimney and uh, he gives you coal. Uh, so that's that's the idea of Krampus. Now they've they've taken that idea and they've run with it, and uh, it makes sense. Krampus is uh, he's in the public domain, um, so they, there's a lot of different movies that are claiming you know they they put their title Krampus, and there's you know Krampus one two three, and all these other sequels. Krampus Returns, I believe, is one of the movies that's coming out this year in 2022, um, but completely not affiliated with Krampus 2015, um, and not not the same cast. Or directors so let's jump into uh so that's enough of the 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 recap or the history i should say of krampus if you're unfamiliar with this uh this mythical creature this evil santa that comes for the the naughty children so let's jump into um Krampus 2015 the movie so it's directed by Michael Dotry. uh he's he's a great director this one I've seen half of the movies that he's directed he also directed Trick or Treat and Godzilla King of Monsters he's also a very good uh, writer and screenplay writer he wrote the story for Godzilla vs. Kong Godzilla vs. Uh, King of the Monsters 
He wrote X-Men 2. Uh, he wrote the screenplays for uh, Trick or Treat. Uh, he's also working on Hellraiser 2. Uh, not Hellraiser 2. Hellraiser. Hellraiser 2. He's working on the movie that came out in like the 70s. No, he's working on Hellraiser the TV show also. it was That was a T-O-O, not a T-W-O. Uh, so uh, the, he's working on some uh, pretty big properties. And he's gone on to have a very good career. And uh, I have enjoyed uh, this movie and the other movies that I've seen from him. So yeah, great director uh, and a really good cast too. That is something that really sets out a movie apart when there are you know so many of the same movies, so many different Krampuses. How do you how do you pick? Well, having a good director and having a cast this this well put together uh, makes a huge difference. So it, you know it's starring Adam Scott, uh, Tony Collette from you know she's from Hereditary uh, Heredity Hereditary. Uh, that was a great that was a great psychological horror movie. Uh, M J Anthony he's he's great in the movie. Uh, Allison Tolman and David uh, Keschner are playing the aunt and uncle, the in-laws of the movie, along with uh, Conchetta Farrell. Uh, she is absolutely amazing. Berta from Two and a Half Men, freaking hilarious. Uh, she has lines that are, you know, just absolutely funny. Uh, from the get-go, she walks into a room and she's like, it looks like Martha Stewart threw up in here. Stuff like that. Uh, just just amazing one-liners. And her presence is always hilarious. And when you, uh, if you're if you a fan of Two and a Half Men, if you're a fan of her comedy, when you allow, when you give her the, uh, the, the authority to start, you know, swearing and dropping F-bombs and being uh, pretty, pretty hilarious in that regard, you know, she's, you know, she's, you know, tipping up her flask when things get a bit hairy, those, those kind of characters. Uh, comedic moments like that it's uh it's, it's pretty funny and the whole cast really bring up the the comedy they're all playing their parts and uh, at the beginning of the movie it's very uh, family comedy uh david kushner is playing basically he's playing the same character that randy quaid did in the national lampoon's christmas vacation and he did it amazingly i felt that there was a lot of um in the writing there's a lot of elements you could feel the inspiration coming from movies uh such as the national lampoon's christmas vacation and home alone one and two uh in the this you know in-laws coming to town and there's some you know, fighting between the cousins and you have you know the 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 the, the more to do family with the the lesser off family and the the you know there there's some you know disparities and uh, some quite some quite funny moments when you put the all these people in the same house and uh, that's evident in, in my opinion very evident in the way that the movie sets up and uh, the movie opens well let's get to the plot of the movie at this point so the movie opens uh, it begins with uh, beginning to look a lot like Christmas is playing uh, is a narrative over uh, the, as the camera pans across the shopping mall the looks like a cross between a Costco and a Home Depot. Um, there's lots of orange banners everywhere and it's like a Black Friday sale or something and everyone is nuts. It's like the mall scene from Jingle All the Way but way worse. Everyone is pushing and shoving. There's this one lady just like hitting a guy in the face with a skateboard and then it cuts to like two security guards tasering people uh, and they're on the like the people are on the floor like spasming and the two security guards are just like gleaning with giant smiles like idiots and uh, it, it does a really amazing job of setting the stage for this like comedy holiday horror and uh, it, it was it was it was quite hilarious and and um, so as, as it it pans to like the family so that's like the big opening and then it pans to the family that 
but you know it's Adam Scott and Tony Collette they're the parents their mom and dad and you have MJ Anthony he's the the son and and you have the the sister Beth played by Stephanie Owen and uh, they're at a so this is where I, where I got the the Home Alone impression from Home Alone Two also uh, they're at like a like a Christmas recital and Max that's the character that MJ Anthony plays uh, he's in, getting into a fisticuffs with another kid and uh, you know they lead you know they're all rushing and, and trying to break up the fight and it's all you can't hear what they're saying you can just see them reacting at this place at this place at this point uh, this place in the movie if you will. Uh, um, the the song uh, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas is still playing as the like the narrative of this point um, the narration if you will and so <laughs> so they 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 take him back to the house and they're having him explain and this is the part for me that felt a lot like Home Alone two you know they're 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 a bit mad at Max or you know in in Home Alone two they're mad at Kevin and in this case it's Max and he's kind of you know getting his reasoning behind it. And in both cases, I agree with Max slash Kevin. In Home Alone 2, Kevin, you know, in, especially in Home Alone 2, like, nobody's mad at, at Butch Buck, whatever the heck his name was. Um, and uh, in this they in this movie, they're a bit more reasonable. They kind of side with Max, the, the guy that he, the, the older guy that he got in fight with, the bully from sixth grade, was telling all the first graders that, uh, you know, Santa doesn't exist and he's trying to ruin their Christmas. And that uh, that upset Max and he decided to take it into his own hands. And uh, they, they kind of let it slide. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, but, uh, you know, they, their in-laws are on their way, so they still have to prepare you know they have to prepare for the in-laws and that's where the movie really gets going so the in-laws arrive and like the whole house is is shaking up the, like the the whole house starts shaking because you know they've arrived in such a big truck that it makes the house shake which again the, if i'm not mistaken the exact same thing happens in the national lampoons when um when eddie shows up uh, randy quaid's character eddie shows up in his rv and uh, it's very similar to that and then the whole dinner scene is is like i said it's very you could see see where the inspiration comes from if you put if you did a side-by-side -side comparison um i think it's it's very similar to uh, national lampoon's christmas vacation but that's in, that, that's that's not a bad thing in my opinion i don't think it's a bad thing at all um you know things inspire us and directors they saw these movies and they grew up with these movies and then they like to interpret them and use the that inspiration in their own movies and i think that's that's a good thing to achieve for to be able and then to be able for people to be able to see that right for to be able to to translate that your inspiration into your movie and and then for somebody like myself to be watching it and to to have that takeaway but to not be blatantly ripping off uh, a movie to use its elements in a way that pays homage i think is is a form of talent in a way too um it's a form of it, it shows a mark of a good director uh in that sense and and that's all over this movie it's amazing in, in that sense um and and the director really took the time to you know understand the movie and Krampus and and to do a little bit of history uh you know on that in in you know he wrote the movie too he's part one of the writers uh part of the writing team and they you know they included um the Omi the grandmother uh Krista Stadler she's uh she's German and and she speaks German in the film and that kind of you know that kind of touches back upon the fact that the movie has you know it's it's uh, roots in 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 Germany and German folklore and Austrian folk folk folklore uh, 
uh, with the Krampus uh, story and stuff. So I think that, uh, it, again, it shows that it's a mark of a good director and, and having done a little bit of research on your your uh, theme in that sense. And that, that's something that uh, was well done. And now, so the plot, uh, so the family comes over, uh, it's the in-laws, they're having their, you know, their dinner, and it's it's getting up to the lead up to Christmas, and the cousins don't get along very well. Uh, there's a big, there's a big argument and a fight, and it leads to um, the cousins, Howie and Jordan, uh, played by two young actors who, I'm not sure if they're still into acting, uh, Maverick Flack and Queenie Samuel, they don't have much on their IMDb pages. Uh, they were very good in this movie, though. I hope they're uh, they're still you know out there uh, putting their mark on the world. Uh, they they steal Max's uh, letter to Santa and they're teasing him for still believing in Santa, and this causes a bit of an argument, a bit of a fight. And Max just you know he states that he just wants Christmas to be like it was before, and he doesn't understand why nobody cares. And uh, he gets a bit upset. He runs up to his room, and it's in this moment that uh, he decides that you know he doesn't doesn't believe in Santa anymore and he rips up his letter to Santa and he throws it out the window and you see the the pieces of the letter kind of get picked up on the wind and they they float up into the sky towards the moon and this big black cloud starts to form over the house and dun 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 and that's that's kind of the cue that you know something bad has happened, but it's uh, it's still a slow burn. Uh, the movie uh, kind of descends from there. There's a blizzard and they lose power, and and uh, it's not exactly you know stated what's happening. Um, you know, there's a few other people like this DHL. Uh, you know, delivery guy shows up, and uh, they have a bunch of packages on their front lawn, front lard. That almost came out front lard, front lawn slash yard lard <laughs> their front uh, steps actually was neither of those and they unwittingly bring in this you know big santa package of gifts but it's uh, it's actually a bag of evil gifts um, from Krampus, but we don't know that yet. And um, so, uh, so they let they let their daughter, they let Beth uh, go to her boyfriend's house because nobody has cell reception, and it's a blizzard, and she's a teenager, and she wants to see her boyfriend. And I don't know why I'm talking like that. Uh, so <laughs> she goes, and unfortunately, she's the first to uh, to meet her demise. She she walks down the street, and that's when you realize that things aren't as they seem it's deserted the snow is piling up way faster than it should and there's some damage the houses the windows are broken and she sees a creature and uh it has big horns and it's it's quite large and she hides under a truck and and then uh yeah she screams and pretty sure she dies <laughs> so uh, that uh, beth does not make it very far in the movie maybe the 20 minute mark unfortunately and that's where the movie really ramps up because now you know Beth is missing and they gotta go find her and and it 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 unravels from there like they realize that like you know there's there's something wrong the neighbors are missing there's all this damage there's abandoned cars and they seem to be the only ones around and uh, as Max points out uh, at one point you know there's like a snowman in the yard but nobody built it like who built the snowman it wasn't there last night and uh, it's an evil snowman we'll get to that <laughs> so uh, they the, the the story continues now uh, they all come into the house so Adam and well not Adam Tom the, the Adam Scott's character Tom and uh, David his brother-in-law Howard uh, they decide to go out and look for Beth uh, 
and upon doing so that's when they like i said that's when they realize that things are wrong they're the only ones around and they get attacked something attacks howard in the snow and his legs all bit up now and they bring him back to the house and they decide to bunker down board up the windows you know uh howard is a big gun nut he brought guns with him to to tom's chagrin when he pulls out the guns he's like you brought guns to christmas though tom it turned out to be a good thing because you needed those guns you fight off hell and all these sorts of uh, demonic creatures who are about to dial this party up a bit so they bunker down and omi you know tells them to you know like not not let the fire die and then uh as they're all like dealing with what's going on, Beth is still missing and they can't find anybody. And it's, you know, it's getting, it's getting precarious now, you know, and they're in a situation. They decide to board up the windows, sit by the fireplace and wait for sunlight and they'll do something the next day. And unfortunately, while they all nod off and fall asleep, um, Howie Jr., he, uh, he, he, uh, he gets caught by the Krampus. This chain comes down the, the chimney, and it's a very well-done scene. Uh, there's, like I said, lots of practical effects, and the VFX that they did use were freaking phenomenal. I, I have to go out of my way to mention that. I'll, I will talk about the, the company and the people behind those VFX when we get through the plot part here. I don't want to get too sidetracked. Um, but just to say, phenomenal. And so this chain comes down the chimney, and it's only uh, Howie Jr., Howard Jr., that he see, like hears it. He wakes up, and in the middle of the chain, like wrapped in the chain, is a gingerbread cookie. And I don't want to be mean to Howie Jr., but he kind of deserved to get taken because he walks up to it, and he just like grabs the uh, the gingerbread cookie and bites into it and when he bites off its head it kind of like starts giggling and screaming at him and then like grabs the chain and wraps it around him and then the he gets pulled up the chimney and this leads to a really good scene where it's uh, it's Tony Coletta that wakes up she's the mom of of Max and Beth and uh, she she Sarah her character's name is Sarah she grabs she screams and she like lunges into the fireplace which is remember the fire went out so that's what allowed them to come down the chimney but I assume there there's residual heat there's a you know embers of a fire there so like that's uh, that could be hot you could burn yourself and uh, she's thrown caution to the wind you know her her nephew-in-law is in danger she grabs grabs his leg and they're being pulled up the chimney and everybody's grabbing legs and trying to pull them back down and she's the only one that sees this you know demonic gingerbread man that's attacking her nephew-in-law that's attacking little howie jr uh whose uh name i mixed up actually so howie jr is played by maverick flack um the two uh uh, gu- uh, gu- uh, gu- I'm, I'm getting all tongue-tied the two girl cousins uh, are uh, was Queenie Samuel and Lolo Owen who again I'm still not sure if any of these uh, child children are still in acting or I, I would assume they're they're almost young adults at this point but I mean some of them don't even have photos on IMDB so there wasn't much I could back check on those ones um, so yeah so Howie Jr. Uh, Maverick Flack uh, so he gets taken up the chimney and now they're all distraught and they don't know what's going on and sarah you know tony coletta she saw this creepy ass 
gingerbread man demon. And I mean, the design was amazing. Think gingerbread man from Shrek, but now think like evil ginger, uh, evil Stay Puff Marshmallow Man's from um, Ghostbusters, like the mini ones from the from the the most recent Ghostbuster movie. But like, just like terrifying. Like they're evil. They have all like sharp teeth and whatnot, and they're trying to kill you, right? So like, it's pretty terrifying. And uh, so she's she's shook right like she she saw this she's shook her husband adam scott tom he he's like what did you see and right at this moment that's when omi uh decides to you know drop the beans and explain what's happening she she knows what's happening you know there's nothing they were all convinced like terrorists like something you know there was an attack overnight or something like who could be doing this what who are the bad apples uh that are that are coming after their family and then omi uh, drops the beans that you know back in germany there was a, a dark christmas and and she had she's been through this before that uh, when she was a kid she also wished that her family would disappear and she lost the spirit of christmas and that night she was visited by Christmas. And it, it's a really uh, great portion of the film. It's maybe two, three minutes, and it's it's animated very similar to like a Coraline animation. Um, so I really enjoyed that kind of using shadows and and lights and darks to to tell the story of what was happening. And as she explains it, she was the only one left behind as a reminder of what happens when you forget about the spirit of Christmas. That Krampus comes to punish, not to praise and uh so she was left and and she was given as a gift the only gift that she's given is the a krampus bell this little like worn bell that has krampus etched into the side of the bell and uh while nobody really believes her um one of their kids was just pulled up the chimney and Sarah did see the little evil gingerbread man so she's a little bit more inclined to believe the story of Krampus and and this is when like this is when it goes from like okay we dialed it up from one to three and then three to maybe six and from here it just goes to like balls to the wall like it's the demons and they're coming for us like it was it really escalates from this point into the film like we're maybe like 45 minutes in 45 minutes left and now now they're facing the climax so at this point now like i said the movie really escalates they uh they hear noises in the attic and they go up so the sister uh she had gone up to the attic linda the, the sister's name is linda that she's played by uh, allison tolman and she wanted to rewrap some of the gifts in, you know, all the tussle and everything that happened when Howie Jr. was being taken up the trim, the chimney, the, the chimney. Uh, some of the gifts got a little uh, dinged up and damaged. So she wanted to rewrap them. So she brings all the gifts upstairs into the attic. She's just, you know, one of her kids was taken. One of her sister's kids is missing. Uh, she's just trying to cope and she wants to rewrap the gifts. It's a very nice idea. Um, and uh, so she gets. It's called away from the gifts for a few minutes. They need they need to regroup, and the gifts start like shaking and moving, and that's when you realize that these are the gifts that were brought in from the front steps, the Krampus gifts, and the Krampus gifts are all fucking possessed and super messed up <laughs> and so like the the Krampus gifts are actually so let, I'll get into the the Weta Workshop stuff now so Weta Workshops is the the company behind the VFX 
And I mean, it's like a direct quote from the CEO, the co-founder of the company. Uh, he's in one of the interviews and the behind the scenes for the movies that Krampus is an 80s classic monster movies. Uh, in his words, it's, you know, it's why they get out of bed in the morning and, you know, what they love about the industry. They built all the main monsters. The, the There's a clown in the, the, this jack in the box. It's this giant clown, um, you know, a teddy bear, like a demonic teddy bear with all these evil teeth. This weird cherub baby doll sized thing with these like two foot wingspan in each direction. So like four feet from tip to tip uh, with all these teeth and, and mucus and wings and like the evil gingerbread men, which the gingerbread men were more VFX, but even that just amazing VFX. Um, there's the elves like these, the, these de, degen, not degenerate, <laughs> degenerated um like uh, falling apart. I don't know. I don't know what word you would use there. Decrepit. Decrepit. That's the word I'm looking for. I need like a like an automatic thesaurus that I could be looking up while I'm doing this. Uh, they they look decrepit and and you know according to the director who is also in this behind the scenes um, moment here he he moment he was in he was in a movie so behind the scenes documentary uh, he uh, he says you know like his idea is that the elves are you know they they abandoned santa or for whatever reason they 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 disagreed with santa and they're banished uh from the north pole and then so that they they take up uh their their masks these 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 ghoulish child masks of dolls and 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 f figures and stuff and then they they serve krampus for the rest of time uh which is an interesting interesting part of of uh the mythos that uh the, the director comes up with and they built all of these they made all the masks they made all the costumes they made uh freaking krampus the the entire giant patchwork of a of a suit is all is all real materials that they sewed together the entire rig weighed up to 70 pounds and was completely sensory deprivating for the actor inside uh so krampus he was played by the, the character in the rig the actor is luke hawker and he was saying, you know, you're sweating and you're panting and your muscles are aching because you're holding up this 70 pound rig and you're thinking about throwing up and passing out just to get through the scene. And, and then the director is like, that was amazing. That was amazing. Great take. Great take. And he says, you know, it's all worth it. It was all worth the effort that he put in. And I mean, that that is that is hard work. You're holding up a 70 pound costume that you can't even see out of. He had a screen inside. Um, that's like what he was looking at is a small screen that allows him to see outside of his costume and you know how hot it must be in there and and to 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 act to do everything that you've rehearsed and everything that they've said and to control the inside of this this giant suit is a remarkable uh you know talent and and feat of strength also apparently because i don't think i'd be able to hold up a 70 pound rig uh for extended shots uh you know 45 minutes uh, however long they had him wearing this you know it takes a long time to get into and then to complete yourself and I mean that's that's a lot of hard work and it definitely translated into the movie um, the cherub uh, the the cherub thing the cherub angel whatever you want to call it um, just the head alone had eight servos and was controlled at times by up to six puppet
puppeteers controlling the head, the wings, the arms. Um, they in the the behind the scenes documentary that I watched, uh, they gave a lot of credit to Tony Collette for how uh, how well she worked with the the animatronics department and how much she put up with in in the cherub scene uh, when they go in when they go back into the attic, the uh, the part that I was talking about. Um, she gets jumped on. This cherub thing is sitting up on the rafters and it unfurls its wings and it screeches and it jumps into her face and that was achieved by attaching the prop attaching the puppet to a boom pole and lowering it down on top of her and then the the puppeteers moving its face and its arms and its its wingspan and apparently she got a lot of feathers and a lot of uh, slime in her mouth because the feathers and the slime were also practical effects and uh, yeah she, she had to put up with quite a bit uh, during those scenes but that scene that entire portion of the movie translated so goddamn phenomenally it is uh so that's we'll talk let's talk about the clown jack in the box it has to be almost six feet long and it starts at a like a like a medium-sized box and then this weird like hula hoop skirt thing coming out like a tube like i think like a cat tube like what your cats would play in but giant and then culminating in the torso of this giant grotesque beast with like weird little baby hand gloves and this like Victorian style mask that is broken like its jaw separates and it just has huge teeth and its whole jaw like distends like a snake like like over a foot wide kind of thing and and they come up into the attic and they, they they point their flashlights at it and it's just like swallowing the legs of one of the children one of one of the linda's kids and they're all screaming and, and they're like shoot it shoot it and that's when they get attacked by teddy and and the freaking cherub and there was a there's a robot that was uh it was really cool they were explaining that the robot was 3d printed uh, and then turned into a puppet, which is really cool. It's a blending of like new and old technologies, and the puppet was still puppeteered, and people controlled it. And uh, getting to see that in the behind the scenes is so cool because I mean, they're literally their hands are right there holding it, and they're just wearing you know a green suit or a black suit, and then they're removed in post effects. And and it's amazing what they can do with literally. There was the scene you're watching has three actors in it and all these weird creatures and some of them you know in that in that uh, clown thing there's actually a person in that rig and and then you know controlling all these puppets there's like five other people in the room or six people just for that cherub and you don't see any of them in the final film that's that's absolutely amazing it's mind-boggling and while all of that's happening in the attic there's some more action happening downstairs in the kitchen so downstairs there was left was omi and aunt meredith and the children and the in injured uh brother-in-law howard he has the leg injury from earlier in the movie and he's trying to defend the rest of the family he's armed with his shotgun and he goes off into the kitchen to investigate the noises that he hears and he's attacked by the gingerbread gang <laughs> it's uh three gingerbread men uh they shoot him in the back of the leg with a nail gun and this is my gripe this is where the movie loses a star uh for in inaccurate uh use of a nail gun uh so if you're not familiar with a nail gun nail guns are designed that you can only depress the trigger you can only fire a nail when there's muzzle contact so the tip of the nail gun has has to be pushed against an object to allow you to pull the trigger and fire a nail. 
So they didn't set that up. They did set up the use of the nail gun. So it's not just like a, hey, where did the gingerbread men get a nail gun? They did do a good job. Uh, Tom and and Howard, uh, Adam Scott and David Kushner, they used the nail gun earlier in the movie to board up the windows. Uh, and when, when they realized that, you know, they're under attack and all of that. So they did use the nail gun and then they, they put them all in the kitchen because they collected all their weapons and stuff. You know, now they need to be on the offensive. Um, and so they did set up the nail gun. They set it up being in the kitchen, all of that. It made sense, except you can't use it as a projectile weapon. So the gingerbread man holding the gun up and pulling the trigger is just, it's inaccurate depiction of a nail gun. And uh, anybody that's familiar with nail guns is going to is gonna say the same thing. So uh, you just, you lost a star there. And uh, unless the gingerbread men were using some sort of evil gingerbread magic, which maybe maybe they were we can give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they were using some magic um but unfortunately alas i'm going to take a star i'm going to give them i'm going to give them an a minus on their movie for that it wasn't as uh, factual as it could have been uh but uh but he david takes a licking and keeps on ticking he takes some some nails to the back of the leg and uh he he dives for cover and grabs a, a cutting board and manages to you know block a few nail shots that would have come directly to his head and then uh he blasts the those pesky gingerbread man away and funnily enough the gingerbread man who have a super minor role in the movie they have like a stringed together sentences and words and griping uh are freaking voiced by seth green and justin roiland like two huge amazing voice actors with such minor roles i mean even in 2015 i mean, I mean like they seth, seth green has been on family guy for years and justin roiland's been doing rick and morty for i think at least around 2015 he was he was getting uh, quite popular Maybe this was maybe this is what he did right before he popped. He was doing the voice of uh, of gingerbread men that get blown away by a shotgun in this uh, holiday comedy uh, horror movie. It was pretty funny. Uh, so this this culminates uh, after all this happens. This culminates. Uh, they get attacked by um, Krampus's elves. We get to see the elves on screen. Uh, we get to see some Krampus. At this point, we've only kind of seen the shape of Krampus. Uh, we've seen his hooves. Uh, these amazing articulated hooves that have all been handcrafted props um, that give them control of the knuckle and allow them to move uh, the the foot joints in the hooves. Just phenomenal work from the VFX team from Weta Workshop. Um, I mean, if you look up Weta Workshop and some of the movies they've worked on recently, it was like Avatar 2, Wakanda Forever, uh, the Cocaine Bear movie that's coming out with Ray Liotta. I mean, yeah, if you're not familiar with it, they're doing a Cocaine Bear. I totally suggest you look that up. But uh, yeah, what a workshops went above and beyond in creating these creatures. And it really shows that this is this is a creature feature, creature movie, uh, classic 80s style uh, creature monster movie. And the people that were involved with it were super passionate about their craft and creating these monsters. And that's something that even the actors in their interviews and their behind the scenes, they all credit um, the, veroci- the ferocity and the the how scary and terrifying these props were that allowed them to give such amazing performances that they're praised for themselves. Um, I think it was uh, Alison Tomlin that was saying that, you know, if she 
but if she didn't have this grotesque creature in front of her, um, she's pretty certain that she wouldn't have been able to uh, give such a believable performance of being terrified the entire time because, in her words, she was actually terrified of this thing. It was it was grotesque, and it was easily gr- freaking her out, and she just tapped into that and allowed it to to play into her her performance, and that's that's amazing. It's it uh, goes with what other actors have said, and I've heard them say like the the trick of acting is acting as least as possible so if you can actually be terrified just be terrified and they were able to to do that in this movie um they were able to terrify their actors and uh michael daughtry and what a workshop they actually hid um the 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 props they hid the props from the actors as long as possible so that when they unveiled them they would have uh you know a level of being taken aback and and oh my god you know that's so creepy and they did such a good job on the monsters that that was the effect of of anyone that was shown them even myself if you put that thing in my house and turned it on like uh holy shit i'd be uh i'd be i need a new pair of underwear that's for sure so with a fresh pair of underwear after that confrontation okay so uh after that uh confrontation in the attic and in the kitchen they regroup in the living room, the time of the movie, you got maybe 15 minutes left. Uh, reft. This is what a lot of my words get joined into into one word. That was supposed to be left and time remaining, and it became reft. Uh, so there's maybe 15 minutes left slash remaining, and you know it's really picked up the pace at this point. Things are happening pretty fast. We're we're almost through you know the thick of it, and. So the, the elves attack, they come crashing through the door. But it's not actually, it's not that they don't even come crashing through the door. They come crashing through the bay window in the living room. And it's almost as if they're coming to, like, save this, like, clown jack-in-the-box thing. Uh, they didn't, uh, they, the family had been fighting back quite extensively. Uh, they had, you know, the shotgun and this big handgun that were both provided uh, by the brother-in-law, you know, uh, Howard. He had all of his guns in his pickup truck. And so it was as if the elves, these these the, the elves of Krampus, they were worried about uh, this weird demonic creature. So they they come to its rescue and they whisk him away. And they also man the elves. They also managed to grab uh, the baby, which was Howard and and Linda, their their the in laws, their youngest baby, uh, was an infant and a toddler. They grab the baby and it's all gooey and whining and whatnot. <laughs> and and it's at that point that the brother in law. Howard, he's like, I've had enough with this fairy tale mumbo jumbo horse shit. And he like he pushes past some of the elves and he jumps on the back of that jack in the box creature. But just as they're about to be like whisked out the window, um, the elves were like hooking up chains to everything, uh, kind of like how Howie Jr. was taking out the chimney, and uh, it pulls them all out the window. Howard goes with them, the baby goes with them, the jack in the box goes with them, and it's just Linda her sister Sarah and Tom and um, and and Omi and and uh, Max those are the five people left in the house so they've gone through about half half the family and and most of most of Linda's family is gone now her kids got eaten by the 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 jack in the box well one of her one of her daughters got eaten by the jack in the box one of her kids got sucked up the chimney one of her kids got stolen by the elves so she's she's understandably freaking out and the movie through the last 15 minutes they try to make a break for it um out the door they don't know what else to do and omi stays behind because they hear on the roof they hear the hooves and they think that krampus is coming and they know that they can't face krampus so they they run out the front door 
and Omi closes it behind them and stays stays inside and and she tells she tells Max to like stay positive like be strong and uh, she faces Krampus and for the first time we finally in the first literally the last 10 minutes of the movie you get to see Krampus they teased him out and they did a really good job teasing him out you saw the horns you saw his hooves and now he's coming through the chimney busts through the wall like the whole like the bricks are falling the whole wall is busting inward and he crawls out slowly and you have a it, very similar to Santa you have this big red uh, hood that's all tattered and stained and dark and there's the trim that used to be white and it's all it's all stained and muddied colored and and this grotesque face with these these bug-like eyes these orange and black bud-like eyes and this big tongue and and these hands these long finger these long fingers that are at least 12 inches each and and he comes into the room and he's just this presence and it's all practical effects those hands they showed in the documentary it's giant it's a giant attachment that the actor is wearing and he can control the fingers and they all are articulating and 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 he can bend the the, the knuckle joints and and he can put his finger on you know Omi's cheek as she's crying and and very very Terminator 2 like when 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 the Terminator touches John's cheek and he's like I know now why you cry it was very it was very like that scene um instead that that uh that Krampus just didn't care and and he kind of I think he, he relished in in the tear and that he was bringing fear and that this is what he did this is what you know this is what his calling was he came because he was called and uh he he opens the bag of toys and you see Omi look into it slowly and and a bunch of like demonic monster toys jump out at her and you hear her scream and and then as they're running to uh so their their plan the the, the survivors and the family their plan was to go out and uh and get to this snowmobile snow truck that had been abandoned um that uh that tom and and uh, howard had seen when they had gone out originally looking for beth um it was one of the abandoned trucks they said it was their beth it was their best bet their, that was a mouthful. It was their best bet because it had a plow, and if they were able to get it to start, they could at least clear the snow, and they would be able to get out of town. And that was their idea. But there was that whatever it was under the snow that had attacked Howard that they were all worried about. And one by one, it starts picking them off. Uh, you know, uh, Tom is able to you know use the shotgun a bit and and slow it down. But he tells the rest of the family to run on ahead, and he sacrifices himself. So he goes down and. You know, they manage to reach to the truck and they get both of the kids in the truck, Sarah and Linda. They get their their kids, their remaining kids, Max and and I think it was Stevie or Jordan. I don't remember which one of the, the twins was left. Um, they're sitting in the cab of the truck and both Linda and Sarah, they get pulled down into the snow by whatever this creature is. And unfortunately, they can't get the truck started. And, and all the elves show up and they take stevie away there jordan I, again i can't remember which one it was and now it's just max and he's all alone and it's dark and then you 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 hear the footsteps and as he turns you see krampus walking towards him and and he, he kind of looks at him and he blinks and he, his tongue is there and he he drops he drops something in the snow it looks like a, like a wrapped gift and as 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 max picks it up it's the it's wrapped in the pe the wrapping is the pieces of his letter to Santa that he ripped up and threw out the window, and in it 
is the Krampus bell that his Omi was left. And, and you hear her saying how she was left as a reminder to what happens when people forget about the spirit of Christmas. And, and it kind of like zooms out and I'm just like, shit, man. Like they did. So that was it. Like the whole family gets taken, like basically to hell, like his whole family gets taken by Krampus and he's the last one left. There's like a reminder, like, this is like your fault. You did this, you know, like, like, uh, as a freaking moral lesson, <laughs> as a terrible moral lesson. You wished for, you know, bad things at Christmas and you got bad things. And, uh, the movie doesn't end there. No, the movie doesn't end there. So he, he runs into the direction of, you know, he hears all this commotion and, and we get to see this amazing production. They, they built this sled that had to fit Krampus. So it was like, it looked like it was six feet high. It had to be 12 feet long, huge. And he has these demonic like reindeer. They have like, like skull heads. Like they're, they're, they're reindeer, but they're almost like as big as bears. And their heads are skulls with like giant antlers or like horns kind of things. Amazing production value. The whole sled looked like it was carved from wood. Absolutely amazing. And uh, Max takes his wish back. He tries to take it all back and... And he tries to, you know, tell them to take him and not his cousin. You know, he's sorry. He wants it all back. And there's a moment where Krampus is looking at him and it's silent. And this giant portal to hell opens up uh, in the middle. Uh, you don't know. You don't know if that's them being banished back to hell. You know, he, he took it all back. Or, or what it's going to be. And, and then Krampus and all of his elves and all of his demonic creatures, they kind of laugh. They just, ha, 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 ha. You know, there's this big chuckle. And he turns his hand uh, to his minions and they throw his cousin into the fire. And he's like, what? I told you to take me. Take me. I was sorry. And then Krampus grabs him and laughing, he holds him over the, the pit to hell and he drops him. And it's dramatic. And he's falling. Ah, and... Bam. He wakes up in his bed. Because this is where, I say, it was, again, it comes back to this homage to 80s-style horror movies. You have the practical effects. You have all of this, this attention to detail. And, and in this last sequence, he wakes up, and Max, he wakes up, and he goes downstairs, and his whole family is there. And there's this kind of, like, glow, this, like, white. They've kind of, like, dialed up the contrast kind of thing on the scene, and everybody's happy, and it's Christmas music, and Beth is there, and they're all, you know, all is good and all is well. And he's like, oh, I had this terrible dream. It's like, oh, well, it's just a dream. Everything's good now. And and they sit there and they're handing out gifts and everybody's, you know, having a good time. And and they hand they hand Max a gift and he opens this box and it's it's kind of like a leatherish, like a worn box. And he opens it and he picks up the the Krampus bell. And as he holds it and touches it, you hear this kind of like narration voiceover of, of like a few of his key lines from the movie and everything that's happened. And then his face, like it just kind of like drops. Like he's like, oh. And then everybody else, you see this, you see their face and you hear all these lines of the movie, like basically like one or two lines from every character. And the way I interpreted that is that they're all getting their memories back as if they're waking up from a dream. In a, they're waking up in a dream from a dream, remembering what just happened and that it did happen and that that actually happened. And as they do that, it like it kind of fades out and you see their house and it's in a snow globe and Krampus's hand is around it and he's putting it down on a shelf 
and it's starting to look a lot like Christmas plays as it fades out of the background. And and I think the way I interpreted that is that this is hell. The hell that for Krampus, like Krampus is a version of hell, is you're trapped in your house on that terrible Christmas day that made you wish for whatever it was, your family to disappear, you wanted to be alone, you want whatever it was, that's what you're stuck in. And Max would have been left alone. He would have been left to live on Earth you know, regretting this being the reason for his family to be gone. But because he ran up to Krampus and was like, take me, take me. Krampus was like, okay, sure. And threw him down that pit. And that's where he woke up in this. They, he trapped the whole family in this like perfect rendition of their house in a snow globe forever to live out that horrible Christmas day that they were experiencing. And, uh, I, I thought that was, that was totally, um, nightmare on Elm street style where you think like, you think they beat Freddy and everything's going to go well. And then his hand comes out of your chest or he, you know, kills your mom and like rips her back into the house. Uh, very nightmare on Elm street. They did a really good job in the homage. So the story was amazing and the vfx were just they were next level honestly if um, if more movies do practical effects like this i hope it's something that the studios take away that you know a movie with a relatively small scale production they made four times their budget uh you know on their theatrical release and a lot of that is to do with the practical effects these creatures came to life in this movie and they did such a phenomenal job uh creating every single different character the designs the masks the noises they made the way that they're puppeteered uh, i mean everything that went into creating the different creatures that they had i mean just the jack-in-the-box uh if we talk about that one uh, i mean there was multiple different iterations and if you watch the behind the scenes uh video you see that like there's a person in this they call them rigs um and it's this giant suit that's made out of like metal loops uh metal hoops like a hula hoop skirt almost idea i think i may i think i referenced it akin to like those tubes that your cats would uh, run down if you've ever had a cat or you've ever seen one of those cat tubes um, but now make that like six feet in diameter uh, and and put a person in the at the at one end of it and at the other end it tapers down into into a jack-in-the-box style item um, like a like a like a caterpillar coming out of this like a giant grotesque creature coming out of this and at the other end it has this gross face with this top hat and there's there's drool and slime and all that slime and all that gross and all of it, it's real it's practical it's tangible it was there on set you could interact with it um, there was a person inside it moving their arms and and there was yeah it's just it really it really goes and extends it to something that will stand the test of time because you watch that movie in 10 years and 15 years and those creatures are going to be as real as they were the moment they were filmed and they won't diminish over time even you know avatar 2 just came out and they just pushed the envelope ahead on what we can achieve um with motion capture and what we can achieve with computer effects and the, the, the that side of vfx um but they i don't think we'll get to that point or we're not at that point 
yet uh, where they will uh, you know go above and beyond with these practical effects are are alike on film and it's just uh, it's amazing it goes to you know why the movie was received so well and why it made such a big budget I mean you look at the uh, you know you look at Rotten Tomatoes and they have like a 60% uh, 61% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes and movies like this tend to get lower recognition they get hammered by critics they have higher audience scores lower critic scores but that's not the case this is pretty much above board Um, you get five out of you know you get your your six out of ten your 60 percent on your rotten tomatoes and and most of that is from critics and audiences alike and even the cast in their interviews they they enjoyed the practical effects um you know i mentioned uh um, the the actress that played linda you know she she credits her own performance with the how well the the prosthetics the prosthetics the practical effects and yeah prosthetics i guess to a certain point um how well they were designed uh which is funny actually funny in one of the interviews with uh, David Kushner while talking about the movie 100% he says Clampus instead of Krampus which I just I find that funny he was like and we're getting attacked by Clampus and I, I went back and I turned subtitles on even too and the subtitles picked it up as Clampus instead of Krampus that was just uh, I have something funny you watch all these interviews and stuff and there's some there's some interesting takes some interesting uh, views from the actors and what they brought to the table and what they brought away from the table and uh, in a practical movie like this what a lot of them had to say was that uh, it, it does really lend something to the film and to the final cut when you have um, something tangible to act with and to interact with and it, it lends something to their performance because they're not performing against nothing and that's something that I've said uh, before even in the Scooby-Doo movie when when you know this this idea of a CGI character was so new and then to go you know almost 15 years into the future from Scooby-Doo and to, to completely reverse it and instead of having a Krampus that was completely CG and have your actors uh, you know acting and reacting to nothing and just a prop or a marker you know, to, to get their eyes to look in the right direction, to go and out and actually, you know, build this entire elaborate set and these props and these costumes um, is remarkable. And it's uh, it says something about, you know, dedication and, and understanding of a genre, uh, especially in horror. I think I think practical effects really uh, take you, you know, all the way into the end zone and help, you know, f- you know help your movie be successful when you have that that level of practicality and you know when you're when you're dealing with uh, you know guns and 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 you know visceral and and you want to shock and and scare people I think uh, you know go all the way back to the thing and practical effects like that um, they always look better and and they will stand the test of time and that's some that's uh that, that's what I'll say about this movie it will stand the test of time it might not go down as a classic or one of the greatest movies ever but it will stand the test of time and it will be as good as it was um, in 2015 and as good as it is in 2022 and it'll just be a really solid horror comedy 
holiday movie. And and that's where I'm going to wrap uh, my review on the Krampus 2015 movie and episode 17 of The Nerd Review. So I hope you've liked today's episode. I hope you are getting ready for the holidays in whatever shape or form that is for you. For me, it's spending time with my family and making a huge dinner with turkey and all the different sides and all the fixins and lots and lots of cranberry sauce and cranberry jelly and lots of desserts and good memories and good times and holiday movies and it's just about being with family and uh sharing a few good days and and having and doing the things that we did last year and the things that we did when we were a kid and just enjoying uh those family traditions that we've done year after year Uh, that's what this time of year is for me it's about watching movies and having a good time so i hope that's what you're all looking forward to i hope you travel safe and uh, be responsible and all those, you know, those uh, cliche things people say around the years, around around the holiday and this time of year, because uh, it is true, and uh, we want to be safe and we want to have a good holiday season for everybody. So that's uh, that's this episode. That's the holiday season. I am working on the season finale of season one of the nerd review episode 18 will be the season finale of season one and i'm going to take a little break before coming back for season two and we're going to have a whole list of new content and new shows and uh, new episodes to go over in the new year so let's look forward to that and let's look forward to uh, a holiday season where we're visited by santa and not krampus let's hope that we don't uh let's hope we don't get visited by krampus so that's it for me that's it for this episode happy holidays and happy new year to everyone this is the nerd signing off